Greetings, and welcome to episode 28 of Ending the Sexual Dark Age. I'm J.V. Altharas, and this time around, we're reaching once more into the mailbag. Before I get into the meat of the show, I've got a quick announcement to make for those who don't follow Facebook or the website. I must grudgingly inform you that the show is officially back to bi-weekly instead of weekly for the immediate future. Doing weekly episodes has allowed us to cover a tremendous amount of ground in the last five months, and we've had a lot of fun doing it. Still, work has gotten busy, and I have to give attention to other things like writing and Shara's pussy, not necessarily in that order. The good news is that I've sold another short story, and I'm working on a novel that's coming along really well so far, so I'll have more erotica for you guys in the very near future. I'll be squeezing in episodes on off weeks whenever I can, but going forward, if you expect a couple shows a month, you won't be disappointed. And Shara and I are available, as always, on Facebook, Twitter, FetLife, and SexualDarkAge.com. Without further ado, I want to begin with some feedback on episode 24, a.k.a. Homophobe Bisexuality. As with that episode, for the sake of avoiding verbal 10-car pileups, I'll be using the word gay interchangeably with the verbally awkward GLBT. Also, for the record, once again, I believe it's time for a better acronym. But that one's a job for someone else. Jay writes, Great episode, and you definitely hit the nail with the sledgehammer when it comes to gay hate, as you best described it. I also liked your don't-give-a-shit philosophy. I try to follow the same thing, though I may have to yoink your wording next time someone asks me about stuff like this. I do identify as a bisexual male, no experience with guys, but I figure if guys can like girls before they've been with one and call themselves straight, I can do the same thing. One aspect about the bi-phobia, and I think there's legit fear in that area, that you didn't mention is that for me, I've gotten more shit from gay guys about my orientation than straight. They hear me say I'm bi and think I'm just gay and still in denial. Even the people who got out of the closet to step out of the sexual dark age are still affected by it, I suppose. Jay brings up a couple of great points here. There are a lot of people on both sides of the fence, gay and straight, who can't seem to comprehend the existence of bisexuality. There are plenty of gays and lesbians who really believe that bisexuals are just homosexuals who are only halfway out of the closet. This is bullshit, of course, but I think a lot of things feed into it. Whenever you have a group of people who feel stereotyped and or besieged, they tend to get defensive and territorial. This is human nature, not something related at all to sexual orientation. When a gay guy sees two guys kissing, some little part of him is thinking, cool, we got another one. If one of those guys turns around and kisses a girl, he's back to fucking breeders. Obviously extreme example, but a worthwhile illustration. I also think that across the vast expanse of the Dark Age, it's actually more generally acceptable in the modern world to be gay than bisexual. It's hard for people to picture bisexual in a stable, monogamous relationship, yet it happens all the time. So I think that creates a small presumption that bisexuals are all into group sex, or are all swingers, or are non-monogamous by default. And of course, in the Dark Age, if you're not monogamous, well, then you're going to burn in hell. I don't have numbers on this, but I'm willing to bet that the average person is more likely to know someone openly gay than openly bi. And I think that feeds into what you're seeing, too. For the average straight person in the Dark Age, there's a lot more mystery and confusion surrounding bisexuality, and it's somehow easier to understand that some people only want dick instead of pussy, or vice versa, regardless of their own factory equipment. Only wanting to fuck people from a single gender seems just fundamentally easier for the average person to understand. Likewise, I think that some people are instinctively afraid of bisexuality because absolute polarity is comforting. From the male perspective, for example, if you deny the existence of bis altogether, Then if you like pussy, it's proof that you don't like dick. If you accept the existence of people who like both, then (gasps) you might be one of them, even if you like pussy. All these things are natural aspects of the human condition. The tragedy is how they express themselves in the sexual dark age. 
As far as identifying as a bi guy, even though you haven't had experiences with other guys, your reasoning is excellent turn of phrase that I will be stealing myself in the future. So feel free to spread the word on the give a shit circuit breaker. As far as I'm concerned, we're square, so you don't even have to give me credit. Our sexuality revolves around our desires, not our actions. There are gays so far in the closet, they're living empty straight existences and plenty, plenty of bisexuals who have never done any homosexual play at all. Sexuality is such a powerful aspect of the human condition that if you don't look your own in the eye, it will fuck with you in ways that are more than a little self-destructive. Which brings me smoothly to another comment on episode 24. Brad writes, I wanted to thank you for episode 24 about homo and biphobia. I agree that people who are against gays and bis are motivated primarily by hate. I do think that fear comes into play, but it is the fear that they themselves might have a touch of the gay in them. It took me years, decades really, to accept that I am bisexual. I went through 20 years of drug and booze addiction because I couldn't accept that once in a while I like some cock as well as pussy for dessert. I went through all that pain of suffering when I could have been enjoying myself, and someone else. I'm grateful that I have a girlfriend who is accepting and encourages my sexuality. Thanks for sharing this, Brad. I'm certain there are others in the audience that either are fighting or have fought the same internal battle, all because the sexual dark age taught them that being what they are is wrong. In general, I'm a fan of altered states, but only for the right reasons, which is something I'll gladly get into in depth on a future episode. I usually focus on sexuality for the purposes of this show, but society's attitudes and policies towards drugs are just as barbaric and backwards, so I figure spending an hour talking about that one day will be well worth the time. It's easy to use drugs and alcohol as a kind of a mute button for the little voices both in your head and coming out of the darkness. Sometimes that voice is your conscience and you really ought to be listening to it. Other times those voices are the negative attitudes that we are all drowning in from the time that we are born. When you feel like shit about yourself because the prophets of the dark age want you to, being comfortably numb is an easy and available escape. By and large, western attitudes towards drugs, and especially American attitudes towards alcohol, are just plain asinine. We can drink to numb the pain, which other than a prescription is the only legal way to reach for comfortably numb in most of the West, and I'll be talking about the fucking pharmaceutical companies on the episode about drugs as well. Odds are you do not need to take a little pill every day to feel better about yourself. Some people do. Chemical depression is a real crippling disorder. But it's overdiagnosed, and by and large, the American public is way over-medicated. And we have this predictable and understandable, but terrible tendency to just believe anything that a doctor gives us couldn't possibly hurt us. The big downfall of an acceptance of alcohol to the exclusion of other mind-altering substances is that alcohol is a depressant. Long-term self-medication with alcohol usually just results in more depression, which requires more alcohol, and the vicious cycle spins around and around. Drugs and booze can let you get comfortably numb to chill the fuck out and figure out how to deal with your problems, but you've actually got to take the step of facing the problems or you'll just end up drowning in a bottle. The biggest reason I wanted to include Brad's comment on this episode was as a public service message to those out there who are struggling with their sexuality to the point that being obliterated is preferable to dealing with socially unsupported sexual desires. If you feel alone like the whole world will turn against you because you're a guy who likes a little cock now and then, or a girl who likes pussy enough to lick it, remember that at the end of the day, there's only room for one person in a bottle of booze. Keep looking for help in there, and you'll stay alone. But you are not alone. If you're lost in the dark age, there's a lighthouse on our website. I promise you there's at least one person who won't look down on you or call you names for being what you are, and that person is me. I'd go so far as to count the thousands of people in the audience as well, because I'm sure I can speak for many of them. If it helps, you can drop me an email or post on the confessional page at sexualdarkage.com. 
But the first step is to stop feeling like your desires mean there's something wrong with you. You are not alone. All consensual play between adults is perfectly natural, no matter what dark corner of the mind it might be born from. And there are no solutions at the bottom of a bottle. Psyche has been a frequent flyer on the website, and I haven't had time to get to her questions on the show yet, so I'm going to hit a couple today. Thanks as always, Psyche, for being part of the conversation, and thanks for being patient. First off, Psyche writes, I'm going to surprise a lot of people by saying this, but I hate sex. I wasn't raped or anything, it's just that my few experiences have been horrible. I meet a guy over the internet, we eventually exchange numbers, and at some point, unbidden, the guy starts talking dirty. I don't like it because all I want to do is date and maybe, if so inclined, sleep together. I don't like where it goes, but I'm too polite to hang up. When we meet, it leads to horrible five-second sex. He then decides he's too busy to contact me anymore, and I never hear from him again. But as awful as sex with a person is, I've had great mind-blowing sex with myself. Once I came so hard that I fell asleep for two hours. Is there something wrong with me? Well, Psyche, let me start by saying that online dating is a jungle, with a lot of great people sprinkled amongst the victims of the sexual dark age. At this point, the numbers are certainly not in our favor. The average guy has no clue how to operate a pussy, because he's never been taught how to. One of the many reasons I started this project in the first place. Stumbling across a great lover can feel like winning the lottery, but for a lot of people, the more realistic option is to train your own. If you can get yourself off hard enough to pass out, your pussy is not broken. But you do need to make a decision as to whether you'd rather keep looking for a guy who's already a cocksmith or train one of your own. As far as guys who don't return calls, don't obsess about it. If the sex was that lousy and you're not looking for a project, then good riddance. Clear the road for somebody with some potential. In another post, Psyche asks, What do I do about the vanilla guys who think when I mention kink that I'm into the BDSM you see in the movies? How do I let them down? I mean by that the guys who hear about the kinky guy and assume I'm going to whip out the ball gag and riding crop right then and there. I know this by the leering or creeped out expressions on their faces, or if on the phone, the sound of them struggling to come up with something to say. I'm not ashamed of my only time with Kinky Guy, it's just that I don't want guys to get the wrong impression of me. Any thoughts? In this case, Psyche, you are a victim of the modern media. And this is a battle that every kinky person fights to one extent or the other. Most of the kinksters who are into the kind of play you tend to see in the movies get there by traveling a long and winding road that always starts with not knowing anything. Plus, I look at playrooms in the movies and I think, oh, that would be awesome if I had 20 grand to drop on gear. But I don't, and neither do most other people. The root of the problem here is that guys are easily excited. I know, I know, someone called the Associated Press. Yes, guys are easily excited. A guy who wants to be dominated by a woman has probably fantasized about it until his forearm was sore, and then switched hands. As soon as a guy with unfulfilled submissive fantasies thinks he's got a genuine dominatrix on the hook, he's mentally all the way in the end zone watching every one of those fantasies flash before his eyes. The fact that society teaches females to be submissive from birth doesn't do anything for the number of women who express whatever dominance they've got going on, and the result is plenty of guys who would love to try submission if only they had a dominant woman. Because they're guys, when they see the opportunity, they want it right now. Not later, now. You gonna finish eating that? Check, please. Thankfully, you've got a pretty easy solution, and that's to notch back on how much you share and how you do it. The road forward depends a lot on how much you want to explore your dominant side. From a lot of the things you say on the website, it sounds like you're very interested in doing that. So I think it might be high time for you to play around with telling guys exactly what to do. And guys tend to be pretty compliant and open-minded when there's pussy being waved at them. It's easy for a dominant woman to have a rule that her playmate lick her to orgasm before he's allowed to stick his cock anywhere, or to suck him to the breaking point and then tell him 
he gets to come right after you do. As far as broaching the topic with a new guy, just be very selective about what you say at first. Instead of telling him all about Kinky Guy and what you did with him, just say that you like to tell guys what to do and you're curious about exploring that a little more. From that point on, any guy who gets you naked is going to expect to be told what to do, which will do wonders for your chances at getting fucked the way you want to. Keep the being curious but not experienced yet aspect out in front in the conversation and guys won't expect the ball gag in the riding crop. In fact, the right kind of guy will go out and buy you a ball gag or a riding crop as a gift. You'll replace any kinky delusions or movie-induced bullshit with a chance to help you explore new sexual territory without the guy having the expectation that you're fully equipped and experienced. Most guys are all about feeling like they're breaking new ground with a woman. And remember, a dominant can put the brakes on whenever they want. Next up, we have a comment posted by Alpha Prime on the website. He says, I just listened to several of your podcasts at work today, and I wanted to say thanks. I guess I have been a naive, closed-minded, selfish caveman when it comes to pleasuring my girlfriend. She's been trying to tell me for over a month now what to do to get her off, and I just couldn't get it done for either of us. There was a lot of sexual tension between us as friends while she was in a relationship with a friend of mine. As soon as they broke up, I went in for the kill, and killed it. We went out to dinner, had some drinks, and confessed how bad we'd been wanting each other. A kiss at the bar and a hand to hold was all it took to get back to her place. She was turning down the vertical blinds in the living room. I closed in on her like a caveman with a large stick. I shoved her up against the blinds, knocking a few to the floor, tore off all her clothes, and lowered her on my dick. And I carried her to the bedroom where I slammed her on the bed and I owned her. Mind, body, and parts of her soul. She came, I came, we had to change the sheets. Fireworks. After that, there were a few more good nights. For me, anyway. I had just discovered the best pussy I've ever had in my life on a person I was already best friends in the world with. I got selfish and was addicted to the pot of gold I'd found and have failed to make her spray since. She tells me exactly how she wants it. It's an awkward position for me with little stimulation. It involves balancing on my knees while I hold her pelvis up and parallel park my dick on a dime without moving in and out. Oh, and I can't breathe too hard. I truly do love this girl and I want to give her the kind of orgasm that she deserves. Please help me come up with a game plan to refill the powder keg. We need fireworks again. Well, Alpha Prime, I'm glad you took the time to ask. Giving a shit is step one, and you've got that covered. We willingly jump through all kinds of aggravating hoops in support of a happy pussy. And a good woman will do the exact same thing for your cock. In the short term, my advice is to give her exactly what she wants. The fact that it's awkward and doesn't do much for you means you'll last a lot longer, long enough most likely, to give her an amazing orgasm and then finish however you like it. And when I say that, I mean to encourage exploration. Try new things. Try dirty, filthy things. Things she wouldn't even admit to her girlfriends. A woman who's just had a bone-rattling climax tends to be pretty willing. So make use of that to bring in some variety in your positions or toys or whatever floats your boat. In the process, you'll probably find other things that get her off and aren't annoying to you, like what she needs now. When you only have one thing that works, you've got to keep at it, while enthusiastically searching for other options. Also, be sorta honest about not getting off on what she likes. I say sorta because you do not, under any circumstances, want to make her feel self-conscious or like she's being unreasonable or demanding. She's not. She just wants to get off, same as the rest of us, but needs something a little more complicated to get there. Tell her you don't like only having one way to get her off, and you're putting on your Indiana Jones hat and looking for more until you find them. If you can put that kind of tone on it, you can probably gain a lot of ground, find new things to do to her that she likes even more than parallel parking, and strengthen your relationship in the process. One way to get the ball rolling would be to recreate that first date. 
walk her back in the door afterwards and immediately slam her up against the wall and give her the same kind of spontaneous animal fucking that you gave her the first time. If she's not wise to your plan, you're likely to get exactly the same results. And tell her afterwards that you've rebooted your entire attitude towards sex and you want a clean slate. I bet you get it. By the way, don't ever be disappointed that she doesn't always squirt. I'll save most of this to cover with Shara because I can already hear the bell ringing. But most women who can squirt don't do it all the time. And often it surprises them as much as the girly waterfall surprises you. Next we come to an email from a lady out there in cyberspace. She says, Kink and a dash of sexual submission get me off. Have for years, but it's been mostly by myself. My husband was and is completely vanilla, and so is our sex life up until recently. I love sex, every aspect of it. An experience in college sparked my interest in kink, and it's kept going and growing. Most of my boyfriends were vanilla. One that was kinky, sexually dominant, and into BDSM reinforced the good it and subspace did for my psyche, and that time still haunts my fantasies. The only other non-vanilla guy ended up turning me off from seeking out kink and future mates. So the kink stayed in my spank bank, kept safe, personal, and perfect. I realize now that may not have been the best way to deal, but it got me through to the other side. With the background out of the way, the reason I'm writing you for help is that my sexual relationship with my husband brushed up against some soft kink recently, and I'm not sure how to go about growing on that. It sparked a hope that I could have a kinky sexual relationship with my husband like I had with that first kinky guy, and now I can't stop thinking about the possibility while fearing that we can't live up to my fantasies. I read erotica, listen to podcasts on kink and BDSM, and surf sites on it. I think I have a good handle on kink, but my husband does not, mostly because it wasn't on his radar until it came up between us. He now knows about my lean towards kink, but I don't think he really gets the sexuality of kink. He's kind of prim and proper, but he recently said that kink gets me hot and gets me off, and he likes to get me off. But the media and society's view on kink have kind of skewed what he thinks it's about. He knows the jokes and ridiculed side of kink, and then the homicidal BDSM maniac law and order side, but not the parts that are sexual, beautiful, or erotic. His porn preferences are sites with home movies of normal people having sex, especially if the chick has big tits like I do. While mine have restraints, bondage, domination, leather, spanking, flogging, discipline, etc. Sadly, watching that just makes him laugh because it reminds him of a Family Guy or South Park episode where those things were a punchline. I've looked around online for anything to kind of give my husband an introduction to kink for a vanilla guy who's doing it to satisfy his partner. Or to get an understanding of the psychology behind kink and submission, which is such a big part of it. Or maybe a how-to on sex with a kinky person when he's not naturally kinky. The closest I've come to is an article from AskMen.com on erotic spanking. Kind of the tip of the iceberg, but alright. It was good and it went into the mental aspect a little, which was great because he's also trying to understand how this works for me mentally in my psyche. But other than that, all I'm finding are intros to kink, BDSM, and DS for subs. It seems like there aren't any people new to the more dominant side of kink, just people new to submission, and the websites, etc. are geared towards that. Do you know of any resources? Or a better way to put this for Google searches? Right now, I'm weeding through searches that give me mostly porn. My husband is willing, but it's kind of up to me to find the information or wait till work lets up on him and his free time. And that's not going to be any time soon. Thanks for taking the time to read this, M. Well, M, to hit one of your first concerns, it is realistic to worry somewhat about fantasies not living up in real life. Fantasies can all be perfect, and life just isn't. The fact that you're aware of the concern means that you can deal with it easily and effectively. The perfection in your fantasies is all based around great experiences from your past that you had with one specific person. Unless you're still fucking that person, which you aren't, any future play will be different. It can't ever be the same unless all the variables are the same. 
If that guy was experienced, then stepping a toe in with a husband who's new to kink will probably involve some doubt and confusion and rough road for both of you. That's all okay as long as you stick together about it and communicate. It's reasonable to expect that real life cannot live up to your fantasies, sexual or otherwise. The upside there is that real life can also surprise you and your fantasies can't. Your fantasies can't account for things that you haven't thought of, or the look on his face when the two of you hit a real groove for the first time, or a thousand other little things. So as you move forward, don't use your fantasies as a standard for success or failure. Eventually, you'll have lots of new material in that spank bank, and you need to keep your eyes on the prize. The really good news is that you've got a man with the best possible attitude towards sex in general. He likes getting you off, and he's willing to step outside his comfort zone to get you off harder and more often. Good stuff when you can get it. So he's primed, ready, and looking for guidance that gets him past Hollywood kink and into the realm of the real. Your observation on the lack of resources for aspiring dominance is dead-on based on what I've seen myself out there. There's not a whole lot, especially in comparison to guides and info for submissives. I think there's a lot that plays into it, including the healthy ego you generally find in a dominant. Doms don't like to ask for help. Plenty of us do. The good ones do ask for help. But it's not our first choice, and we're not thrilled about the fact that we need to do it, on a philosophical level. Down the line, we'll be doing an episode on getting started as a dom, once we circle out of the non-monogamy and back towards a few kinky topics. And I hope that episode helps fill the gap a little for you and your husband. Until then, I'm going to suggest a couple books for you. Actual, genuine paper books. These days, we're used to going to Google for everything. There's a reason for that. Google's fucking awesome. I'd say Google collectively has a larger pile of awesome than any other entity on the internet. And we use what works. Unfortunately, as you've experienced, practical info on sex can be kind of hard to find. Because Google gives us what we want, and the average surfer searching for dominance or submission is overwhelmingly likely to be looking for porn. So that's what Google dishes out. I'm going to recommend two books, one that I used to own, and one that I've heard extremely good things about. The first is titled Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns, The Romance and Sexual Sorcery of Sadomasochism. This book is viewed by a lot of people as a required part of any decent BDSM library, mostly because it's just so well done. It's written as a guide for newbies and covers a range of topics from practical to psychological. If you buy one book this year, make it this one. I had a copy myself once upon a time, but women have a pretty easy time separating us from stuff like books and t-shirts and movies and such and never returning them. I just think of it as pussy tax. The second book is called The Loving Dominant. I've never read it myself, but it's widely recommended among people I know for exactly your situation. Someone trying to learn what healthy sexual dominance is all about without a clue where to start. There are links to both books on Amazon in the show notes, so you can get right to them from the website post for this episode or through the RSS feed. I suggest you at least buy Screw the Roses and read through it yourself with a highlighter. You will find passages in that book that perfectly explain what you can't put into words for your husband allowing you to just point them out and say, this is what I was talking about. And if you haven't already, episodes 17 and 19 of this show are a great place for him to start, even if he's just listening so you can have more informed conversations with him. And of course, if he has any questions he'd like to ask me, I am always available whether or not he wants his questions to appear on the show. And that's actually possibly something I don't reinforce as often as I should. There are plenty of people who send Shara and I questions and they say, hey, I don't want you to put this on the podcast, but can you help me? Yeah, fuck, of course we can help you. If there's anything we can do to improve your sex life, that's what we're here for. Not everything has to end up on the podcast. So now we welcome Shara to the show. Hi. For those of you out in cyberspace, she was just pretending she was licking the microphone's pussy, I think. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that was, but it was fun to watch. 
All right, so we have another listener mail episode here, and you have read through the listener comments. I sure have. And what should we talk about first? <laughs> I knew you were going to do this to me. I think we're going to talk about squirting. Imagine my shock. <laughs> Just go ahead, ring the bell. I was going to tell you right up front. Okay, so this is uh, in regards to Alpha Prime's comments. Now, you obviously are a squirter. <laughs> Not all the time, and one of the things that I mentioned to him was that uh, neither one of them should be frustrated if it doesn't happen all the time. No, I used to squirt a lot. I mean, when I was in a relationship with someone that was long distance, and I was in the lifestyle, I would talk on the phone with him a lot, and then when I got off the phone with him, I would have sex with myself, and I would squirt and squirt and squirt. Unbelievable. I mean, get me 20 towels, because... <laughs> It's going to be sucking wet. I've seen it. <laughs> okay, you didn't have to say that. For the for the record, <laughs> Shara gets a towel under her ass anytime we're fucking. <laughs> because I got tired of sheets and blankets and whatever happened to be there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Damn furniture cleaning bills. Okay. Couches and coffee tables and... In fairness... Go ahead, ring that bell. But in fairness, <laughs> it's a happy moment, okay? Because oh, sure it is. Squirting is exciting and it's fun, and so no wonder she wants more of it. Because I don't do it as often, but when it does happen with you, it's a lot, and I it, it does so many inside feelings to me that it's so hard to explain and talk about a subspace. You know, it, it really is for, for me anyway. And the one thing I don't know is like, I could go m a month or two without squirting. And then the next thing you know, need more towels. But if there's <laughs> furniture any... Furniture <laughs> condoms. I, I call them furniture condoms. I never thought of it that way. That's good. I like that. Furniture condoms. Oh, and make sure you fold the towel up because if you got a girl like her, <laughs> the one layer of towel is not going to get it. Yeah, fold that bad boy over. Three or four times. I'm proud of it, okay? I I am proud of it, and I will take I, you know, every squirting moment. I am not even moment. implying that you shouldn't be. Good, because... I'm, good you're, I'm glad you're proud of it. I'm proud of it, too. I might turn red, but I am darn proud of it. And if there's any listeners out there, I would like to hear from them, because I haven't done a lot of research, so they might be able to help us here. Have they been able to control it? Have they been able to make sure that they squirt as often as they want to? I, I mean, I... I don't have enough experience. Maybe you well, do. Well, there are, uh, actually, it, that varies from woman to woman from my experience. Um, there, there, if you search the internet a little bit, you can find porn videos of women like putting out a candle. Like, they can aim that shit. Uh, I've checked it out. <laughs> but that, <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to know more about it, but maybe our medical expert could also answer that for us. Maybe he's. Ben we should ask him. Yes. Well, I am. I'm hoping he's listening to this episode. Yeah, and, he'll, you know. he'll hear this episode. Maybe not tomorrow, but he will hear this episode. So give me a little bit of uh, input, would you please? <laughs> so uh, seriously, I would like to hear more about it. So Now, as far as the rest of what Alpha Prime was saying, is there anything that you would like to add or any other advice that you would like to give him regarding repacking the powder keg? Um, well, I agreed with you about exploring other options um, he might find something that she enjoys even more than what they're currently doing, that she loves doing with him, and he might find it to be a better fit for him. So um, one suggestion is to let her know that he wanted to try a few more things because he wanted to please her and see if there's other things to, to keep 
the spice going. I, I mean, even with us, I like it when out of nowhere you decide to do something and it throws me off a little bit, but <laughs> okay, but I do. I love it. it. It's exciting and it's fun. And I think that that is part of any sexual relationship. It's you might have a really great time doing sex a certain way all the time, but I but I could not find one person that would argue with me on that. Well, and she doesn't have a steady supply of fantastic orgasms right now, and he's working on getting her there. So more uh, power to him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and let us hear about that. And once she's once she's getting that steady supply of bone rattling climaxes, then uh, then she'll open up a little bit more, and she'll probably be more willing and more interested in exploring. Did you recommend uh, any certain episodes for him to have her listen to? You know, I didn't. <gasps> well, well, it, well, she could probably ring that bell. Oh, just kidding. Ring the bell. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, he I would probably there. be the better judge of which episodes would be most helpful to her. He he might want to have her listen to some of the episodes, is what I'm thinking, and might get her creative juices flowing, and she might think of some things, you know. So as a couple, to listen to him, and yeah, we always recommend that. So, anything else on this topic? I think I've covered it, but I mean, if I, I'd like to hear what he, you know, hear back from him and see how it goes. Oh yes, definitely. We always like to hear back. We do. Um, now, as far as the first couple of things, the the feedback on episode twenty four, mm-hmm. um, the episode on uh, homosexuality, homophobia, etc. We've got a lot of actually that episode was probably, in fact, I won't even say probably that episode definitely generated more feedback faster than any other episode we've done. It did. It was really a great episode. Yeah, and it was nice to see once we saw how fast the comments were coming in, mm-hmm. um, that there were a lot of people out there who were waiting to hear somebody say a lot of the shit that I said in that episode. Yeah, so it was kind of good to hear that because it's kind of, you know, refreshing to get all of that out there and hear the responses or the questions that were coming back and forth. I couldn't believe how much mail you were getting. Not necessarily that it had to be on the episode, but you had a lot of comments and a lot of uh, mail. So that was a, a great thing. I oh, yeah, even... and I, I would go so far as to say that as far as orientation, bisexual guys are probably the most marginalized and least thought of um, for a lot of reasons that I talked about in the episode. But uh, it was nice to hear from a lot of you guys. And uh, hopefully anybody who is struggling uh, with their own sexuality, anybody who's got interests that they're afraid to explore or afraid to admit. As always, we hope that this show provides a forum for everyone to realize that there are plenty of other people out there dealing with whatever it is you're dealing with. I agree. And that one part where you pro- talked about across the vast expanse of the dark age, um, it's actually more generally acceptable to be gay than bisexual. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a true statement. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree with you there. I want to say that I think for me, bisexual, okay, I was afraid to explore any part of that because of uh, a part of it was the where I where I worked. I, it was a more of a prim and proper situation for me. So, you know. Well, any this... office environment is likely to be like that. I mean, unless you work at Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because I've also worked in the medical field and, and so uh, – and they're they're much more open about things than I ever realized. But I held some. Well, you're going to be a little more open. One of your jobs is to get a <laughs> shit sample from somebody. I mean, you know, that breaks down a few walls right away. Well, I held <laughs> I held a couple executive positions, and so for me, it, you know, don't get me wrong, I had the men like you know always asking me out and things like that. But physicians and you know, so and some of the physicians out there, 
very kinky, you know, <laughs> they really to say it was uh, some, some good times. But until I knew that they were like that, I was this shy little girl and, you know, wanting to experience and try things out. And as you know, I was uh, always, I, I was playing Paging with... Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh! Oh, did, has Shara ever gotten fucked in like an exam room? Uh, do I have to answer that question? <laughs> you already did. <laughs> Oh, you have no idea. Apparently <laughs> not. Now, now that I think about it, as you ask that question, there are things I just realized I have never told you. That, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, back in that day. Hmm. Anyway, I, I, as we talked about, I, I started experiencing masturbation at a very early age, what I consider to be very unusual for, uh, I, I always thought, oh, wow, you know, what is this all about? Because I was very young. And um, so I think that bisexual uh, or just masturbating yourself, you know, it, it's like a taboo thing. So getting beyond that, getting past all that is very difficult if you're in a, as I would call it, a prim and proper uh, job or in a home. You grow up with a mom and dad that are all prim and proper, but Lord only knows what's really going on behind those closed doors. But in front of, you know, us kids, it's like, a whole different ball game. So, well, that's that's actually one of the big problems. You mm -hmm. know, people. I I always cringe whenever I hear somebody talking about walking in on their parents fucking and saying it scarred me for life. Well, get a fucking life. <laughs> really, it scarred you for life. You were I, ruined because you saw two people fucking in person and they happened to be your parents. How would you think you got here? <laughs> well, I'm going to apologize for telling this story ahead of time to the listeners out there. If one of them happens to be the people I'm talking about, and I didn't mention their names, but I used Oh, this to, is going to be good. <laughs> I used to babysit and um, I was like the kid's favorite babysitter. So, you know, I was always being called upon and lo and behold, I, I, I also would house it for them when they'd go away. So lo and behold, one of the times that they were gone, I, you know, was cleaning around the house and one of the vents were like sticking up a little bit. So I tried pushing it back down, but it wouldn't go all the way flat. So I pulled it all the way out and what's down in the vents is a bunch of dildos. No wonder I, no wonder I want dildo world. It was, it was thanks to these people that I love dearly. I still well, talk to them today. That's rough stashing dildos. In your... <laughs> well, they had three kids. Um, what? So? I, well, they wanted to hide it from their kids, I guess, but <laughs> you know, my point is, is that I would have found them if it was my house. <laughs> shit, you're better off just putting that shit in the in the nightstand drawer where everybody expects it to be. Yes, but that's because when you were born, you kind of were born at the age of 22. You didn't you didn't go from <laughs> being a baby to you know growing up. You just kind of here he is, 22, ready to go. So anyway, they had all these dildos, and I I was like, oh wow, uh, hmm, for some alcohol, check. Maybe I'll just go to the store and get my own, you know, and play with them, but. She had quite a few dildos in there. Did you did you play with the boss's dildos? No, no, I did not. I wanted to because I didn't feel like going out and getting my own when I discovered <laughs> these early in the morning. I wanted to just stay home and play, but I did the good thing, and you know, of course, I did not know. Can, about I can it. imagine the next morning talking to your friends. Yeah, it was crazy. I was cleaning all of a sudden, pile of dicks. <laughs> you know, I I never told them. So, and you know, there's there's. I know they're still kinky and I'm, I'm guessing that he might even be listening to some of these episodes and I haven't ever asked them if they do, but you know, I just have to, you know, kind of say, I found them. <laughs> well, if 
that person happens to be listening to this show, I will make a promise. Email jvalthros at gmail.com, and you will get the bell rung just for you <laughs> on the next episode of Ending the Sexual Dark Age. Actually, whatever episode comes after when I hear from you. Heck, I love them, too, so much that I would ring the bell for them. I would, you know, if 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 you're listening and you know who you are, or you know who you are, uh, just uh, let me know. All right, so let's move on to Psyche. Uh, Psyche mm-hmm. has been a very active participant on the website, which we encourage everyone to do. Yes, but, thank uh, you. Thankfully, some people like Psyche and a few others uh, tend to be fairly active. Um, her first question was, uh, or her first comment that I addressed on the show was regarding her general dislike for sex, even though she can masturbate herself into a coma. And you know what? And that's another thing Shara happens to specialize in. <laughs> And I'm just going to say congratulations to her. (laughs) You go, girl, and you do it as often as you can, and you keep on going. And for any other female listeners out there, let me know. This would be, I would recommend, this is your homework assignment to see if you can have mind-blowing sex with yourself to the point that you pass out because it is fun. And I have done it too, Psyche, many, many times, and I still do it today, and it's a lot of fun. And I, I get a lot of good rest, you know hours of rest i wake up and i'm like oh wow that was great (laughs) so you go i i you know what if you're not in a in a relationship with a significant other well even if you are but if you're not definitely play with yourself and until you come so hard that you pass out because it's it's fun now is there anything else you want to say on her first comment uh you mean about the mind-blowing sex with herself Well, the mind-blowing sex with herself and the fact that you can't find a guy that can give it to her, right? Well, stumbling across a great lover, as you had mentioned, is like winning the lottery. And I won the lottery, so thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very happy. Uh, But your response here is where I'd want to talk about her statement and your response a little bit. I had guys who loved my voice and they wanted phone sex. And I remember one of the doctors that I worked for, he wanted to... (laughs) open up it wanted me to open up my own answering service he said you have such a great voice and i used to get all these uh great uh secret pal christmas cards and things like that from him and you know i should have just did him too but i didn't anyway (laughs) you missed one i missed him he slipped through the cracks (laughs) not that i didn't want to with him because he had the voice he had the charisma he had it all going but anyway sometimes i was in the mood and sometimes i wasn't so if i wasn't i had no problem with telling them that And she mentions that she has difficulty because she's polite. And I think that if it's something that's like off your list and you really don't want to do it, you need to let them know that kind of up front. I, you know, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, a lot of people, phone sex, I can take it or leave it. I mean, you know, it doesn't. uh, Yes, I know. (laughs) It doesn't do a whole (laughs) lot for me. I'd rather have the in-person sex. Me too. I mean, other than, for example, when you've been out of town. (laughs) We're not going to talk about the thing, are we? (laughs) I hope that wasn't too loud. Well, now we have to. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So there was this one time Shara was out of town, and she was missing me, and we were talking on the phone, and (laughs) I told her she needed to find something handy to fuck herself with, and she happened to have a wine bottle, and a few minutes later, I had had her fucking herself in the ass with a wine bottle. Which was... No, it's a small wine bottle, okay? It wasn't one of these, like... <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't even imply the big end. I mean, well, seriously. <laughs> just making sure people know, okay? <laughs> oh, and to this day, she was kind enough to bring that, wa- that wine bottle back. I cleaned it up, yep. okay? 
She brought the wine bottle back to me full of little souvenirs from where she was, and it sits on my shelf to this day. Yes, it does. <laughs> anyway. You just can't stop yourself on that wine bottle, can you? Oh. Well, every time I walk in here and I see that, it just brings back some pleasant memories. Oh, really? It's a coincidence that it's so close to the door. <laughs> right where I keep my collar. <laughs> right where I keep the collar. Just happens to be there. You just happen to have to look at it every day. What a tragedy. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, so that that was one thing. I, I think that if it's not something on your list, I'm not saying never do it, but, you know, look for in the relationship what it is that you want and obviously giving back. But if you feel like you're giving more than you're getting, then that's not going to work out very well either. But um, I never understood after I dated a guy and thought the sex was just kind of like, okay, I could never understand why they called me back, you know, uh, <laughs> and then I realized. Really? It. Do you understand so little about men? <laughs> well, I mean, kind of like there were the ones that, that, you know, they, we were knew we were just getting together just to have a little fun and right. it wasn't going to be, you know, I mean, I was clear with them. They were clear with me. This is just going to be like, we're friends. We've known each other. Let's have some fun. Um, so I wasn't expecting a call. We'd see each other again and we never, well, okay. Most of the time we just didn't go there again. <laughs> we'll get into that after the show. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so I can't give a straight face now. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so I, I, you got me all flustered here now. Oh um, yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> It was you talking about something and turning beet red and having trouble breathing all <laughs> well, on your own. Because I realized that they enjoyed having the sex with me. I just didn't have a great time with them. So I think that she just might not be having a great time with them. And so it's not a big deal that, that they don't call back because I don't think she really wanted them to. That's my yeah, that, well, understanding. Yeah, that's one of the points that I made. I mean, you might, she might very well have, if it really was an unimpressive experience, um, unless you spend a lot of time trying to mask your true reactions and yeah. putting on a facade, people can see it. I mean, if she if she hated the sex, the guys probably knew she hated the sex. That's what I was going to explain, but I, I agree with you on that. One other thing I want to mention real quick, and we'll talk more about this when it comes to online dating, because this kind of surrounds around... Um, online dating really makes me nervous, but... Well, there, there are pluses and minuses. I mean, I was... <laughs> I had good experiences with, with online dating fairly... Soon after it was invented. So, I mean, I'm biased in favor. Imagine my shock. <laughs> but uh, there's a there's a weird dynamic that can happen there where you, I think a lot of people keep the relationship online for way too long. And you can end up with a situation where you have this person, maybe you see pictures of them, you have this person you've never met that knows all kinds of shit about you and then you become emotionally invested in the relationship. And then... There's a lot of pressure for there to be chemistry, even though there might not be any. I agree. Um, That's why you didn't like wait too long with me. You just like. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have a general policy that I am if I'm in an online dating situation um, and I recommend this to anyone. If you find somebody that you think you click with and and you're local, you know, this is obviously does not work right. for people who are talking long distance. But if you're reasonably local to each other, because most people are looking for a playmate that's local. Get together someplace for a no strings attached uh, dinner, drinks, meet there. Don't tell each other where you live. It doesn't have to be any big production, but get some FaceTime and find out if there's some chemistry because it can be jarring for a lot of people to be talking to talking dirty to somebody that they've never met, right? Or to have someone they've never actually been face to face with talking dirty to them. So, well, I've done that, but you know, 
that's just because it was what they were into. And, you know, at that moment, I was okay with that. However, on the online dating, there's so much of it compared to when you first started doing it. There oh, is a absolutely. lot of, there is a lot of game playing that goes on now. So especially for women, I say this because we're, I feel we're more vulnerable if you don't have a good backup system, a good protection system going on. It could be, um, I, I, even when I met you, I, I had safety calls and everything, you know, going on, but we won't go into that subject, but, um, oh, we won't. No. <laughs> Uh, no. Yeah, anyway. See, as I recall, we had a few drinks. We might have, there might or might not have been food. We came back to my place. I spanked your pussy for a little while. And then you made a phone call. It was like, oh, no, I'm not coming home. I, I, I'm going to be here for a while. Yeah, don't worry about me. It's all good. Well, I did go home that night. Okay. I want that clear to everybody. I did go home that night. Not that it would have been a bad idea if I stayed, but I did go home. Um, did I fuck you that first night or did I make you wait? No. I made you wait. <laughs> oh, you think so? Yeah, you? I know so. <laughs> it was mutual. How's that? <laughs> oh, look at that face. Fine. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, one of the things that a, a few of my friends have encountered is um, the bullshit that, you know, they're told one thing about these people. Come to find out, and it, and it takes time to find this out. A lot of what they told them wasn't even true. Well, so. I mean, that's, that's a danger. That's a danger in real life relationships. It's just easier to be a bullshit artist online. Yes, it um, is. But I'm because like if you know somebody and they're going to introduce you to somebody, they're going to tell you, hey, by the way, he's uh, going through a divorce. He's this. He's that. But I, I dated a guy that I thought was already divorced. Turned out he was only separated. I urged him to go back with his wife because, you know, they had a kid and, and I didn't think that the relationship was in that bad a shape that I really felt he should give another try. And they've been happily ever after since. And, you know, I get the thank you for, keep, you know, pushing me that way and having me try again. But my point is, is that just, if you're going to do the online dating, we're not really going into that tonight, but. Well, it's a little late for that, but we're going to wrap up the topic fairly <laughs> soon. Yeah. So that's just Obviously, my. Obviously we both have plenty to say on that topic when we get around to doing an episode on it. And in fairness to the men, there's a lot of women out there that do the bullshit as well. So I'm, I'm not blaming only the men have carrying the bullshit, you know, women do too. So you have to be careful on both sides. So well, yeah, women just happen to be more physically vulnerable because on average we're bigger and stronger and that's, you know, that's the way nature made us. So, you know, I like that word bigger, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know. <laughs> oh man, that bell. Well, I think that you have a good point. I also feel that it's about the cocksmith versus you, you had recommended whether or not she wants to go into um, finding a cocksmith. Well, I think that JV has a good point. I also feel it's okay to still look for cocksmith, but be prepared to train your own should you find someone along the way that you feel is trainable. So I, while you said she should probably make up her mind, it might take her a long time. Look at how long. Well, I mean, she doesn't necessarily have to pick one or the other, but she's got to have, she's got to have a direction for herself. You know, is she she, if she makes the decision that she's just going to keep looking until she finds a guy who knows how to properly use his cock and already knows how to please a woman, um, if that's what she's looking for, she can disregard any guy that isn't that. You know, so it's just it's like a disqualification. Factor. Just like in Pretty Woman, you got to have a goal. Got to <laughs> have a goal. So that could be the goal, but doesn't mean that in the meantime she, you know, can't look for somebody that's trainable. Okay, so Psyche's second question was how to deal, how to better deal with guys that are new mm -hmm. um, because she's had not unexpected and not unpredictable experiences telling guys about 
her experience, her one experience or one good experience with a guy who was kinky. Right. And the guy's going off the deep end in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that you brought up some uh, very good points and that I, that I agree with, you know, uh, maybe stepping back a little bit, not saying as much. Um, a couple of other things that I would like to add, try going to some local munches. I didn't see that you had mentioned that. Um, oh, no, I didn't. And I found that the local munches were very helpful to me. I did not enter them alone, though. Uh, FetLife, for instance, you could see where some of the local munches are in your area, and you could even maybe find yourself a good mentor. I found a couple that I mentored with in the beginning, and they were extremely helpful. Um, and they were non-sexual with me at least in the beginning um but they i never felt like i it was it was my choice it was never something that they ever pushed me into and i think that that's well, as, important as it always should be right but that's when you know a mentor it doesn't have your best interest if you ever feel that they're kind of urging you to be with them they're more interested in being a sexual partner with you in some way as opposed to actually mentoring you yeah that's definitely true and as as a female who is interested in exploring some dominance um i would expect that psyche would feel very welcomed at pretty much any oh, munch i um, agree and as we've mentioned before when we're talking about munches there's always there are always people hosting um, mm-hmm. Often it's just a casual thing. It may not even be an official host, but there are going to be people who are there every time, who've been around the scene for a while, who will make sure to say hello. And uh, you don't need your don't need to use your real name. Nobody's going to expect it. But tell the people who are hosting the event when they come around to talk to you, because they will, that you are curious and well, interested in exploring a little bit, and you will gather a flock fairly quickly. Well, if you go to FetLife and in FetLife, you don't have to use your real name. You can, you know, make up your own name and all that. But in FetLife, you can go to the state that you're living in and right down to the nearest city that you're in, and you can find out some local munches. Then you can start looking for the people that are in that area, you know, on FetLife and start seeing if there's somebody there that might be somebody you'd be interested in having mentor you, uh, take you, you know, meet up with them at the munch. You don't have to go, you know, drive with them, but meet there. And they'll be happy to show you some good people and and who to steer away from because there were quite a few. I mean, when I walked into the munch, there was a lot of them that were like right away wanted to, you know, be with me per se. And my mentor made sure that that didn't happen. You know, just said, meet first, don't go home with anybody, don't, you know, don't do any of that. So it was very casual for me and it was very protective. And so it was a good, good experience for me. So I usually... So your suggestion would be to look... Look for look more for guys who already know that they're looking for a dominant and know more what to expect. Right. Like, do you remember the one couple that I was friends with? They wanted me to take some pictures with them for their website, and um, she was the dominant. And oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he still looks for that today. Um, they're no longer together, but he still looks for that today. He he loves having a female dominant. And uh, so it's something that she might want to explore about herself and just, you know, you might find that you really find someone in the lifestyle that you really enjoy, love being with. And, you know, like me with you, I, I don't know what I'd do without you because every day I look forward to have a hell of a lot fewer orgasms. I know that much. <laughs> well, 
wouldn't be as fun. I'd be using my fingers again and, you know. <laughs> but, uh, oh, as if you ever stopped. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I'm saying, <laughs> you know, it would not be as much fun. But, you know. It, uh, and one last thing uh, before we move on to uh, to the last listener mail item for Psyche, because we are kind of talking about munches in the BDSM scene. Uh, something that doesn't get a lot of mention uh, because it's maybe dissonant with people's opinions of the lifestyle and dominance and submission. Uh, it might be a little bit counterintuitive. But if you were to find if you were to find an experienced submissive male that you like, submissives have trouble finding good dominance. Right. And it might seem counterintuitive, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with finding a submissive to teach you how to be a dominant. There's because they can a good submissive can very much do that. And actually there was actually a on FetLife uh yesterday or today that actually talked about that. Um so it was under uh, newbies and novices, and that's one of them that I recommend newbies go to because you can look at all the common questions that people ask when you first join the group, and then you can kind of take a look at it and see, oh, this interests me. And then you can ask your own questions, and they'll, and you'll get a lot of responses. But there are many, many, many men that would love to be told what to do and uh, you might enjoy it more than you ever dreamed of. So I know quite a few dominant women, and I have a lot of high respect for them. So um, you could also ask someone that you start dating after testing the waters if they'd be interested in going to a local munch and getting to know others. You know, that's another idea. And another approach might be to express, um, while some ladies like to lead on the dance floor, you prefer leading in the sexual area and see what the response is, and that'd be for somebody that's more in the vanilla. And you might be pleasantly surprised at, at the reaction. We'd love to hear from you and keep us updated and yes. hope it all goes well. Let us know how it all turns out. And lastly, uh, we have M, who is a married woman who had a very rewarding DS relationship with a guy many years ago. Mm -hmm. And now her husband is open and willing to, uh, to jump off the cliff and try to find his footing in kink in order to make her happy, which is great. Props to your husband. <laughs> and uh, she is looking for a little bit of guidance. So what do you have anything to add to what I said? Yes. I've read The Loving Dominant. Well, I've actually read uh, both of the both books that you recommended for her. But I will say, since you didn't read The Loving Dominant, it is a good book. So I would suggest getting it. And I think Amazon has a section called halfbooks.com. And so you can get these books for like, Pennies on a dollar. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting links to them in the show notes. Yeah, and on Amazon, new copies are like 12 or 14. One of them is 16 and one of them is 14. They're, they're not expensive books. No. And I actually, I also should say, I have never heard anyone who gave me a bad review on The Loving Dominant, which is, it's, it's fairly unusual for me to recommend a book I haven't actually read. I know. And I always have to give the disclaimer. <laughs> I love my well, disclaimer. Yes, well, you should. Um, but uh, I have never heard anyone give me a bad review of it. And while you're reading the books, that's one great area. But there's also, uh, a per she mentions prim and proper, okay? And, and it takes a lot for them to get to the kinky side for the people that are prim and proper. However, I have seen quite a few prim and proper get extremely wild when they really let themselves loose and hang loose. So well, sometimes it's a state of being, and sometimes it's just the mask people show to the world. Right. So, and that's that's the hard part. And she would know more about that since it's her husband. But they did grow to love the lifestyle. You know, they really enjoyed it and really felt 
um, some freedom for themselves. The prim and proper feeling, some of them felt more caged uh, inside themselves. And so when they got into the lifestyle, they found out it was a release for them. And if you feel that he's open to exploring, you might want to go to FetLife as well and, and go together, though. Go to the site together or get his permission. I wouldn't want him to think you're doing anything behind his back because I think that that's very dangerous and in a marriage if you oh, know, definitely. or a relationship. Fet life is really fairly innocuous. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there is some meat marketing that goes on there, but it's it not by and large, it's not a meat market. I tell people these days it's Facebook with naked pictures because yeah. that's really more what it's about. It's Facebook with naked pe- pictures where most conversations are about sex. Right. But you can set it up where you can go and look together and you can go to novices and newbies, but there's a, like I said, go to your own state inside there and you can, Take a look at some local munches, maybe go and, you know, meet them. But sometimes the prim and proper people don't necessarily want to do that, you know? Now, have you read Screw the Roses? Yes. My copy was gone before we met. (laughs) Really? Oh, that's good to know. Because, you know, I know your story about, you know. pussy tax. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice shirt. What the fuck? (laughs) It's your shirt. It's it's another one of my shirts. You know, let's see. How long have we been together now? Nine years? Ten years? Uh, so I think I, you know, earned one shirt. Okay, maybe I've had a couple. One. Really? <laughs> uh, really? One for each year. <laughs> really? You, you really? I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you Belinda. You think you I'm only have take, nine of my shirts? I'm going to take Belinda's note on this and say, you know what? I've marked my territory, okay? <laughs> no, I've you didn't marked, mark anything. You took, you took the territory. I marked and took. <laughs> because, you know, I have to make sure that when we're out there at the business or whatever that you know i'm wearing your territory <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> that was pretty weak i know i'm gonna go weird. on record saying that was weak. Oh, okay well whatever <laughs> you know so anyway uh um, so about y- territory no that had nothing to do with <laughs> no we were talking <laughs> i was asking you since you've read both screw the roses and loving dominant is there one or the other you would recommend first for a vanilla guy trying to learn something about the psychology and practices of the S. Well, what I think about the loving dominant is it for people that are new to the lifestyle or experiencing things, it really explains um, the dominant side of things. But the problem for her that I that I feel is is the fact that she mentions prim and proper, and I kind of keep going back to that a little bit because if he's really prim and proper. It's whether or not he can be dominant or not. Well, he, but yet he says he's going to give the pussy what it wants, which is thumbs I, up. I, major thumbs up. Yeah. I mean, major thumbs up. I mean, I wish that. So, so is the loving dominant more psychology and less philosophy than Screw the Roses? I, you know, I like them so much, both of them, that I would really recommend if she All right. to get yeah. them both. All right, Em, so buy both. Because, yeah. because of the fact that you might read one section in, it appeals to her, but another section may not. So it's not about whether it's psychology versus, you know, to me, it's it's just about the fact that getting in there and reading about the lifestyle and the different, you know, kinks that are out there. But I think that by doing that, reading some of that, and then exploring in fat life a little bit, there's all kinds of uh, groups that you can join, BDSM theory, BDSM mentors, uh, novice and newbies. So there's so many out there. But when you join those groups, there's a list of questions, general questions that people tend to ask. And for new people, it's very helpful. I, I find fat life very, very helpful because I've referred a lot of submissive friends there because they can read 
about yeah there is a lot of really you know they some of the dating sites like alt.com makes a i'm going to call it a half-assed effort to really foster community Uh, way back in the day there was a site called bondage.com that had a much better community and of course alt bought bondage.com so bondage.com pretty much died Mm -hmm. Um, but they had a much more community driven atmosphere than alt.com so a lot of people that go to an adult dating site and the kinky dating sites generally try to have some kind of some kind of resources section but you know it's like an afterthought i mean it's kind of it's kind of half-assed and the interface at alt is not real friendly for the groups and discussions um so fet life can give you that um and give you a lot of a lot of fairly easy to search reading material so um, as far as, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because that led me to talking about searching FetLife. If you are looking to search for information that's practical information on mm-hmm. kink, forget Google, try FetLife, and there's not going to be a lot of links to outside sites, but there will be a lot of opinions and experiences by people who have dealt with the same challenges, are dealing with the same challenges, and are Or you can ask your players. own question. Yeah. Or you can ask your own question. So that that's what's really nice about FetLife. I, I've had a lot of response from the people that I've referred to it, and I'm new to it. But I explain to them, you know, like, if people start adding you as a friend in it, you don't have to add those people. You, you can quietly just not now. Oh, yeah. You can ignore friend requests. You know, so anyway, so I, I think FetLife might be a, a good option for them to uh, sit down together and, and look at it since he's willing to do some of these things and, and get into it. Um, and also we have, like I said, the one website that I tend to go to because of the fact that it has all the different areas of bondage. Well, yeah, but she, she said in her email mm-hmm. that that doesn't work for him because, and it, this is probably a condition that is known to a lot of people, known by a lot of people. He can't take it seriously yeah. because because uh, kink is so lampooned. I mean, it's like the the entertainment industry will either turn it into the butt of a joke or they will use it for a slasher film, but they don't seem to do a whole lot that's in between with some notable exceptions. Right, and and the only one that I would say is the exception to the rule on that is probably the training of O because they try to take the role of a dominant and a submissive you know, and, and, yeah. You oh, know. oh, by the way, recent CSI, Lady Heather no longer owns her house of spank. What the fuck? <laughs> Lady Heather hung up the freaking spurs. If you don't watch CSI, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But, uh, Lady Heather was a character, a recurring character on CSI who is a very kink positive character in mainstream television drama and one of the very few. Um, I don't think she hung it up. I think her point was she went out and got a degree so that they couldn't try to arrest her all the time. So <laughs> I think she just said, okay, I'm going to go out and get a degree now, and now I'm legally doing this. Well, I, I can't endorse the closing of the House of Spank. <laughs> How do you know? I don't, they didn't, I mean, they might have said that that was done, but I oh, got that was, feeling, that's a full-time job. I got a feeling it's <laughs> behind the back door of her entrance. So, All right. Well, we have managed to ramble on quite a while. It is about time to wrap it up. Is there anything else you would like to say before we tie this one off? Well, you know, there's always the birthdays. So there's, um, again, I only, if I miss anybody, my apologies. I try to look at your list and my list. And there's Sean. She uh, had a birthday on April 12th. Happy birthday to her and happy birthday to Madeline, whose birthday was yesterday. And I hope I say this right. Is Azark? 
Uh, you know, that is a spelling without an obvious pronunciation. So, so I think me. as long as you're trying hard, then. <laughs> well, you know me, I always try hard. So uh, happy birthday is coming up on the 23rd. So uh, that's Saturday. So happy birthday to all of you. And again, thank you everyone for listening. So it is that time again. We do thank you for joining us and hope you've had as much fun as we did. As always, please feel free to join the conversation by posting anonymously on sexualdarkage.com, emailing jvaltheros at gmail.com, or calling into the listener line at 517-376-3116. You can always find Shara and I on Facebook, Twitter, FetLife, etc., etc., through links on the website. And good ratings and reviews on iTunes are always appreciated. The next episode will continue our tour of non-monogamy with Cooper and Ginger from Life on the Swing Set, joining us to talk about the ups, downs, ins, and outs of being a swinger. Until then, this be me, J.V. Altharos, reminding you that sex is one of the greatest things in life, and there is always room for better.